The reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which can be found on page 1153 of the Church Bibles, 1153. 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while I presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church... First of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts.
Thanks, Claire. Uh, Please do keep uh, your Bibles open as we look through this. Uh, As a bit of context, we've got a few visitors. We uh, work our way through books of the Bible here at Grace Church, and uh, we've reached chapter 12, uh, a fascinating chapter uh, for us. Uh, So uh, please keep that open. Uh, I'm very aware that what I'm going to say now is going to raise more questions than it answers, uh, and that's fine. Uh, I just encourage you to uh, come and talk to me and ask me questions uh, afterwards or another time. Um, also to say, I'm, gonna, I'm planning to run a, a Q&A session on this topic, uh, I'll explain a bit later, uh, in, in about three or four weeks after we've had chapter 14, which also addresses uh, prophecy and tongues. Uh, but let me pray before we look at this passage and go through it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that all of it is useful for teaching, encouraging, rebuking, correcting us. We thank you that it's sufficient to make us wise for salvation and every good work. So we pray now as we look at this passage that we would uh, think deeply about it. We would listen to you as you speak to us through your word. Uh, We would reflect uh, honestly and openly. And we pray that you'd speak to us. Uh, Whether we know you and have followed you for many years, whether we're new to faith, whether we aren't sure if we believe in you at all, we pray that you'd speak to us now through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I guess as you read that kind of passage, the first thing uh, on, if you're a regular here at Grace Church, is, uh, well, where are the words of knowledge? Where are the prophecies? Where are the healings? Where are the miracles? Where are the speaking of tongues today? Uh, some charismatic churches uh, claim to be demonstrating these sort of supernatural, miraculous, spirit-filled displays of these gifts. Uh, but even they don't compete with Corinth. Have a look at verse 8 and 9. Uh, we're going straight there, but then I'm going to come back to it later. Uh, we're going at other places first. Uh, verses 8 to 9. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of, of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Uh, To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. Uh, By the time Paul gets to chapter 14, in in two more chapters, he's so overwhelmed by the endless display of spiritual powers and gifts in this church that he has to give them some points of good order uh, to hold them back. You can't stop these guys. This is a church on fire. The fire of the spirit, we might say. Uh, We as a family attended a a church in South Africa um, that claimed to have risen a woman from the dead. Uh, They held huge healing events. Everyone apparently spoke in tongues, and if you couldn't, you weren't as spiritual as others. You were missing out. I was regularly told I'm missing out. We didn't stay too long at that church. But, But have I been missing out for 43 years Have we been missing out as a church today? I think it's a a little ironic though, isn't it, that the the scripture passage so often used uh, to say that you're missing out, whether directly or by implication, is a passage that actually makes precisely the opposite point. Uh, Have a look at verses 1 to 3. 
Now, about gifts of the Spirit, or, or better translated, spiritual matters, he comes on to gifts of the Spirit later, uh, which is why it's translated like that here. But um, about spiritual matters, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, so non-Christians, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute or dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one, speaking by the Spirit of God, says, Jesus be cursed, and no one says, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. If you're able to say, Jesus is Lord, you have the Holy Spirit. He very much fills your heart, your life. He lives, he dwells within you. Uh, I've called this first little section, Speaking by the Spirit. And we know what Paul means, don't we? I mean, obviously anyone can literally just say the words either way. I just said them myself, reading it out. We know what he means. If we've repented of our sins because of our rebellion against God, uh, trusting in the death, the resurrection, and the future glorious return of Jesus, which we believe as taught in the Bible, then only the Holy Spirit can enable us to believe and declare that. That is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we can't say it without him. It is only by his indwelling that anyone can say those powerful and comforting words, Jesus is Lord. I mean, how those words must be echoing in the hearts of uh, Ukrainian Christians over this last fortnight, Jesus is Lord. Uh, They're speaking by the Spirit when they believe and they proclaim and they hold to that truth. Or when life is triumphant and joyful and we feel we're being blessed, we're able to shout for joy, Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit empowers us to know and believe and proclaim that. Don't be uninformed, says Paul. There are no two categories or different levels of Christianity, no second blessing, no extra topping up of the Spirit uh, in our hearts. The Spirit is a person. He enters your heart once. The power of God awakens your soul and you're able to speak, to say these words, to do the thing that the Holy Spirit is all about and that is exalting the Lord Jesus. And so we're able to say... Jesus is Lord. Every single Christian has been filled by the Spirit and is able to speak by the Spirit, Jesus is Lord. There is nothing else required. No need for miracles or signs or wonders. If we're able to say Jesus is Lord, we have the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul, in our passage, uses another commonly used, uh, perhaps misunderstood phrase, verse 13, baptised by the Spirit. Uh, I've sort of just broken it into a couple of sections to help us. You see, receiving the Spirit at conversion uh, means we are baptised into something by the Holy Spirit. So have a look at verse 13. For we were all baptised by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and were all given the one spirit to drink. Uh, The Corinthians, uh, and I might suggest uh, 
this is a danger for charismatic churches today as well. The danger is to imply a sense of hierarchy in Christianity based on an individual's uh, display of spiritual gifts. But Paul's point is not that baptism of the Spirit uh, segregates you into different camps of authority and hierarchy, but quite the opposite. Baptism by the Spirit means you are baptised by the one Spirit to speak Jesus is Lord, to believe it and know it in your heart, and by that one Spirit you are baptised into one body. I did one like that, that's like two or eleven, but one body. In other words, we are equal. Every single one of us who is able to say Jesus is Lord is, is equal on a level playing field. Rather than elevating certain gifts or manifestations of the Spirit, Paul wants to level the ground. So have a look at verse 4 to 6, which I think is Paul levelling the ground a bit. Even in Corinth, where some are displaying miraculous gifts and others are laying out the table for dinner. Verses 4 to 6, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, so he's broadening his perspective, their perspective, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Uh, So you might, in Corinth, have been able to miraculously heal someone. Or you might be serving tea and coffee after the service. You might be caring for someone who is mourning. You might be stacking the chairs. The healer is not greater than the server. The server is not lesser than the worker. The worker is not greater than the miracle worker. If any Christian, filled by the Spirit, does anything to build up the local church... They are only able to do that, says Paul, by virtue of the spirit who indwells them. Of course, a non-Christian can stack chairs. I'm quite aware of that. So is Paul. But, but there are other forces and motivations that work in their life. They are not building the local church. It is the Holy Spirit who lives in us who allows us to build the local church. Uh, Elsewhere in in the Bible, Paul speaks about gifts of hospitality and administration. Uh, Personally, I put administration in the miraculous category, but that's... (laughs) The point is that we we are equal if we are able to say Jesus is Lord. We've all been freely given, by God's grace, the power of his spirit in our hearts to declare that Jesus is Lord and build the local church. Uh, whether that appears in Corinthian times to be miraculous or entirely ordinary. All is the Spirit's work to build up the church. Uh, That is Paul's uh, entire point with the illustration of the body, uh, which we'll look at briefly, uh, because I think it speaks for itself. It's very understandable, isn't it? He emphasises this point. Verse 15, Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, uh, I do not belong to the body. Even if the foot says that, he says, it would not stop being part of the body. It is part of the body. I'm not a preacher, so you know, I don't belong to the church. I'm not really impressive enough. Rubbish. You are truly essential to the value of building up our church. Why? Well, because every part of our physical bodies, perhaps with the uh, exception of the appendix, but we won't talk about that now, 
Every part of the human body is essential to being part of the body. We know we have a problem if one of those things isn't working or missing. I don't preach because I'm more spiritually gifted than anyone else here. I'm not more spiritually gifted than someone helping in diggers. We're just differently gifted. You might debate my gifting at all, but that's fine. Uh, kids drive me mad. I, I wouldn't want to be with them. It's not my gifting. I'm not very good at it. You might be nervous to speak to a crowd. I'm a foot, you're a hand, and, and that's a good thing, says Paul. We are equal. Uh, verse 21 uh, to 23 it explains it again. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. I think we all know what he's talking about there. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. We are all baptised by the Holy Spirit into one body in Christ. And that means a few things for us, practically. Uh, that means we, one, can't look down or up at anyone else in our church. We are all gifted by the same Spirit to love each other, to build up the church, to look to Jesus as Lord, not to anyone else. Uh, secondly, it means we must attend church. We have to be part of the body because we are. A Christian is someone who's been baptised by the Spirit into one body. Uh, so if you don't attend church, then at worst, perhaps you're not Spirit-filled. Or at best, if you don't come often, you are missing out. on uh, You are detaching yourself, if you like, from the body. It's painful for you and it's painful for us. So being spirit-filled means we don't look up or down at others. It means we must attend church. And thirdly, it means we also must come to church to serve and to build up the body. That is what the body is for. Uh, we're not consumers. We're not observers. We are the body. It is us. If you like, we don't come to church. We are church. So if we're not here, we're not the body. Each must play its part. Uh, but I want to leave time for the elephant in the room, or perhaps you might argue the elephant that's not in the room, uh, charismatic gifts of the Spirit. Uh, charismatic is just uh, the original Greek word for the word gift in verse 4. Uh, and I'm going back to the question we started with. Are, are we missing out? H have we forgotten something as a church? Are we denying this particular work of the Spirit here at Grace Church uh, or at the millions of other Reformed or Conservative churches or Bible schools across the world, I might add? Well, I hope you're not surprised to hear me say, absolutely not. We are not missing out. We've already seen how we are all filled with the Spirit if we're able to declare that Jesus is Lord. Uh, so what is going on here in Corinth? Uh, why is it different today in our church? Uh, well, in scriptures, uh, sorry, in the scriptures, miracles, signs and wonders often mark significant changes or times uh, or individual people in God's salvation history. 
Uh, so think of the plagues uh, in Egypt as the, uh, as the Israelites left uh, Egypt and then the, the miraculous provision for them in the wilderness. Signs and wonders accompanying a great change in salvation history. Uh, or Elijah the prophet, uh, who in the face of being uh, sort of near eradication of all the other prophets on the earth, thought he was the last one. In the face of all that, signs and wonders uh, were at his uh, hands to defeat those who are the enemies of God. And so then Jesus comes. Uh, he brings with him a new covenant, a, a complete salvation offer for all who truly repent and believe. Uh, we would be surprised if Jesus turned up and didn't come with signs and wonders. That, that would be the surprise. And so around Jesus, around the greatest development in salvation history, we have an explosion of signs and wonders as recorded in the New Testament. Uh, the apostles as well are given special ability to perform great and unquestionable miracles. Even in Corinth, uh, there was recognition that the apostles had, uh, I keep saying there are no second levels, but even the apostles did have almost a second level. There was a recognition they had something different. So in Paul's next letter to the Corinthians, when he's defending his own apostleship, he writes this. Uh, let me just read it to you. It might be on the screen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Paul says, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle. So these are the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. But on top of the apostles, uh, there also appears to be something going on in the wider church at this significant time. Uh, the apostles, we, there's, there's visions, the account of John in, uh, John's account in Revelation. Uh, sons and daughters in the early church are sharing prophecies that could have only been known by special revelation from God. Uh, there's miraculous healings going on. Uh, the ability to speak of Jesus in a foreign language uh, that they've not learnt. But it would be naive to think that this time period of time was not significant and I think we should expect it to be a little bit different to what we see today. And I think the Bible helps us understand why. Uh, I've got a, have we got verse, we've got Hebrews 1 up there. Uh, this is Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. And it starts to explain uh, how things have changed in the, uh, with the coming of Jesus. So verse 1 of Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So in the Old Testament, uh, even outside the occasional signs and wonders, there were still prophets who spoke at many times in various ways. Uh, but now we have a full and final word in the Lord Jesus. Full and final in Jesus. Uh, we need no more prophetic extra revelation about God from God, for somehow it is all said and done, full and complete, in Jesus. And in chapter 2 of Hebrews, uh, he explains a little bit more. So this is Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, so he's, he's serious about this, to what we have heard. 
so that we do not drift away. If we don't listen, we might drift away, the writer says. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, speaking of the Old Testament, the prophecies coming to the people, if they weren't listened to, there was judgment in the Old Testament. Uh, How shall we escape it if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was, so now speaking of the new covenant with Jesus, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him, so eyewitnesses, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Uh, The signs, wonders, miracles at this time, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, confirmed the word that they heard from eyewitness accounts about Jesus. Signs and wonders had a clear purpose to confirm what was being told in that early church. Uh, Hebrews' point is that now, uh, after that time, we actually have something better. Uh, That's his whole argument uh, in the beginning of uh, Hebrews. We have something better. We have the full and final word of the Lord Jesus, recorded for us in the word of God, the Bible, by those eyewitness accounts uh, and the first early churches that at that time was confirmed by signs, wonders, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We no longer need eyewitness accounts or extra special new revelation from God confirmed by signs and wonders because it is done we live in the the most blessed time of history if you like this side of the cross and the completion of god's word for every church to hold god's word is is closed and complete useful uh, sufficient for salvation too timothy tells us uh, able to give us everything we need for every good work Uh, Paul again writes in 2 Timothy. It's something the earliest churches didn't have. They relied on letters like the one we're looking through from Paul in Corinthians. They relied on visits from the apostles. They relied on God's spirit to be at work in revelatory ways and in confirmatory ways, if that's a word, I'm not sure it is, that we no longer need or expect to normally see. Uh, Even by the time the later books in the New Testament uh, are written, there didn't appear to be the same outpouring of miraculous gifts in the church. Uh, There's actually very little uh, outside the book of 1 Corinthians and the description of what happened uh, to the apostles in the early church in Acts uh, in the New Testament at all about spiritual gifts uh, of this matter if, of this manner uh, so for uh, example James chapter 5 verse 14 uh, gives an example of what they expect to do when someone is sick uh, verse chapter 5 verse 14 uh, if anyone among you is sick let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord there seems to already have been a shift before the uh, later books are written from individualized spiritual gifts. Uh, they didn't call them the miraculous healer. They gathered together and prayed for that, those that were sick, trusting in God's salvation and the word of Jesus. Uh, Galatians and Colossians uh, moved to talking about fruit of the spirit rather than gifts available to all. Uh, a radical change in character No mention of supernatural gifts available to all. 
And I might say today's fascination with charismatic gifts is, is a very modern phenomena. Uh, while there have been uh, corners of church history that have sought such gifts, the vast majority of church history did not. Uh, I've put one quote just up on the, the screen. This is from St. John Chrysostom uh, from 370 AD. That is a long time ago. Uh, writing a commentary on uh, Corinthians chapter 12, he says, This whole place is very obscure. But the obscurity is produced by our ignorance of the facts referred to and by their cessation. In other words, he, he believed they'd finished being such as then used to occur, but now no longer take place. So even by 350 AD, they, they didn't recognise what was going on in Corinth as a practice in those times. Now, does all this mean God cannot or does not act in miraculous ways anymore? Of course not. Uh, God may and can act however he chooses. Uh, we, as James wrote, have an expectation of healing when we gather to pray for someone, but we trust God's will, not our own or our own spiritual gifts. Uh, we gather here each week and we, we listen to God's word and we trust that he will speak to us by his spirit. We gather here to, each, each week and other times in a week to serve each other and to show love. That is all a work of his spirit. And uh, in fact, every soul that confesses Jesus is Lord, as we said already, is the greatest miracle, the most essential miracle of, and work of the spirit available to anyone in our world. But we need not... We should not expect to be able to work miracles, healings, new revelations, prophecies about the future, or speak in tongues, because we have the full and complete word of God. Uh, aside from uh, that uh, theological explanation, which, as I promised, would probably raise more questions than is answered for you, uh, I'd also say let's look at the evidence around us. Uh, where are the great healers who would surely empty hospitals, or certainly our churches, of anyone sick, if these gifts were still available in the same way as they were then. Uh, you won't find, and I genuinely don't encourage you to do this, you won't find on anywhere on the internet uh, evidence or video evidence of someone being healed. It, it, it just doesn't. How is that possible if the gifts still exist, as they did in Corinth in this day and age? Uh, there's plenty, plenty uh, of pretenses of healing. Uh, endless, in fact. That's why I don't encourage you to look. Uh, but nothing of that demands anything of what the response to Jesus and his apostles in the early church saw in healings and miracles at their time. Uh, biblical miracles are obvious. They're undeniable. They are proven. They result in people uh, either rejecting Jesus or trusting in the word of God and what's been said. But we don't see it. Uh, with regards to tongues, uh, we're running out of time. Uh, but the Bible's natural reading is to assume that people were able to uh, miraculously speak a foreign language. Uh, so have a look at Acts 2 when you get home as a description of what happens when you receive the gift of tongues. Uh, but we'll talk more about that in two weeks. So feel free to chat to me before that or, or wait for chapter 14 where we look at prophecy and tongues a bit further. 
But let me uh, close uh, by acknowledging that uh, some of us may have experienced or believe we practice uh, charismatic gifts. Uh, And I do not want to deny anyone's experience that has led them to faith or has built up the church. That, That is not my aim today, and I don't think that's Paul's aim or intention for us either. But my encouragement from Paul, I think, is to always seek to grow in the word of God, not in experiences and not in other people or their gifts, uh, because all of those things can be misleading. Uh, At worst, they can be from the devil. Uh, At best, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, The word of God is sure. It, It is God's glorious plan for all nations across our world to hear and have faith in Jesus and be able to say by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is Lord. And my aim is also to encourage us as a church that our position is not one of fear of the unknown or or nervousness about the work of the Spirit, but one of conviction that we have the Spirit very much in our hearts. We have uh, his love in our hearts. And therefore we love his gracious work in all of our lives to both bring us to faith, also to empower us to live a fruitful, church-building, gospel-sharing life. That is a great conviction to have. And I'd say far more encouraging than seeking after things we don't quite ever achieve or understand, but to be sure and convinced of the work of the Spirit in each of our lives, uh, as we've discussed today. Uh, I said many, many things will have uh, popped in your head and questions to ask. Uh, so I will run a Q&A session for this uh, in the next month. Uh, but also feel free to grab me, send me an email, phone me up, uh, invite me for a coffee. Or I can invite you for a coffee, that's fine. Uh, and we'll, I'm happy to talk about this more. But for now, uh, let us all seek to use all that we have been given through faith by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to build up each other as a church. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you that by your spirit and by no other spirit, we are able to say Jesus is Lord. If we don't know those words to be true in our lives, may you convict us now, today, by your spirit, for your glory. May we see how we have been baptised into one body. May we commit to each other, to build each other up in love. Whatever gifts we have, whatever we can do, may we love each other and build each other up for your glory. May we not be an absent foot or an absent finger. May we commit to each other so that your body is strong and whole through the Lord Jesus. And may you help us think through some of the uh, more tricky things we've thought about today. May we trust fully in your grace and your love for our salvation, whatever our experience or thoughts. And may we be able to uh, discuss and encourage one another in these words as we go away from today as well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.